Welcome to the GMHBA Healthier Together podcast series. This series has been developed to assist you to master your health and well-being. Health is too hard when you try to go it alone, and we know that together we are healthier. For many children, the last two years of organised sport has been at best interrupted. But even prior, supporting our kids to get involved in sport and being confident to give things a go has always been important. Today, we're speaking with teacher and psychologist Tim Dancy about how we can support our kids in getting involved and enjoying sport. Tim Dancy is a registered teacher and psychologist. He holds a Diploma of Teaching, a Bachelor of Education, Graduate Diploma of Psychology, Master of Psychology, and is a member of the Australian Psychological Society. Tim spent 12 years working in schools as a teacher psychologist before establishing his own practice. Tim Dancy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Simon. It's a pleasure to be here having a chat today. So, Tim, why is it so important to get kids involved in sport? Yeah, great, great starting point. The um, I, I tend to think there is so much learning associated with being involved in sport that, to me, that's the key one. And, and it's just good for well-being and development and health as well. So you've got those factors. But from a learning perspective, and I, I think that's the biggest one, what happens is that kids learn about winning and losing they learn about making an effort, being motivated, being organised to go be on time, get to their sporting. They learn about commitment and not letting down other people. And they also get to meet lots and lots of other children as well. And I have a, I have a philosophy that kids should try and have friendships at school, but also outside of school. Um, because that way you, you have a broad network of friendships because schools can be tricky to navigate at times, but through sport you can build external friendships and you just never know when you're going to bump into people who you played sport with. And through my lifetime, and I'm pretty old these days, I still love catching up with people who I played sport against and with when I was a little kid. So it just starts that development across so many areas and, and sport's just the vehicle to do it. It's fantastic. What age should we be encouraging kids to involve themselves in team sports? Right. Now, this is an interesting one because, see, my philosophy is as parents, what I think is very important when kids are younger is playing games with your kids. Okay? So we, let's just look at – we'll leave team sports for a minute, but – I sort of say, right, when kids are two years old, let's blow up some balloons and let's play volleyball over the couch, right? So kids learn about playing games and doing activities, but we start learning about teaching to keep score as well. So we start teaching kids about playing a game, winning and losing, taking turns and sharing. So that's part of their really early development. So then when we get to team sports, I look at around the ages of um, when kids start school. But when we do this, this initial entry into team sport has got to be around participation rather than competition. And it's about getting kids playing with other kids, learning the rules of games, learning how to practice and really about developing their skills. So I sort of look at it from about as soon as they start school, we can get them in all these wonderful junior programs we've got like Auskick and uh, Milo Cricket and um, I think there's a there's soccer. All the sports have these wonderful junior programs. That's when we get them going. So we, I call it a team sport as such because they are team sports, but really at this point it's not about the playing of the game so much as a participation and learning the skills. For younger children, when do we push and when do we back off? 
Well, my, my philosophy on that is we're often guided by our children. When do we push? Now, that's a, you know, because I don't like the idea of pushing kids into things they don't want to do. However, if a child makes a commitment that they are going to do Milo cricket for six months or whatever the choice of sport is, they have to commit to it. So that's when we have to push. When we say, no, if the child says, I want to do this, well, then they have to do it for that period of time. That's when we push. When do we back off? is when we see that our kids are really upset and not wanting to go and do something. The challenge is here, as a parent, you know your kid, and it's about recognising the signs of distress or the fact that they really aren't enjoying themselves, or we believe that the sport is actually having a negative effect on their overall development and enjoyment of the sport. You know, if you've got a kid who's going out to coaching and they're being yelled at, you don't want kids doing that. That's when we back off. But we do have to make sure that, to me, they commit to their sport if they say they want to do it. And for older children, when do we encourage yeah. participation and, you know, similarly, when do we back off? Well, this is one of my <laughs> big ones at the moment. I, in my work, I'm seeing more and more kids who are dropping out of sport. And I look at it from this perspective is that we need our teenagers, and I guess we're talking about older children as I see as adolescents and teenagers, we need them being active. We need them keeping fit and healthy just for their general well-being. Uh, we live in such a technology-focused world that I see so many kids who are, are not actively doing stuff. They're just sitting at their desks all day online. So my thinking is then we really need to encourage participation in sport of some kind. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a team sport. It can be any sort of physical activity. Uh, and I often will say to parents, I, I say, look, you've got to get your kids active. I'd say work out a currency and it might be for every hour of sport or physical activity you do, that buys you two or three hours of internet time. You sort of say, nah, you're doing it because you need to do something, not just sitting on your backside all day. We back off again when kids are, are finding it's too much for them. And what you see is signs of kids being overwhelmed. And that might be that their, their stress levels go up, their studies, they could be struggling in that area. Or again, the fact that they're not enjoying it because the competition has just got too tough for them. So we then have to look at alternative ways to keep them involved. For children who aren't sporty, who are possibly more introverted and don't love that team environment or aren't really confident with being active, how do we encourage them to be more active in their lives? Yeah, what we've got to do is just find something that, A, they can do. That is the critical one. Find something that a kid can do. So it might be that initially they get involved in bike riding. I'm meeting a lot of kids these days who are really loving downhill bike riding. We actually just need to get them out walking to be honest, and then look at activities where it might be some swimming or um, playing golf or tennis or whatever a child might be interested in. But the key thing is, is we've got to get them outside rather than inside. And then as parents, what we have to do is role model so the kids can join us and come and play with us as well. But that is a hard one because uh, often our introverted kids are a little bit more reluctant to join in. And the other thing I, I'd also say in this one, Simon, is I, I often encourage kids to get into involved in sports that are actually individual sports, but you can be part of a team. So a sport like tennis, for example, when you're playing, it's an individual sport, but you, are, you still are a part of a team as such. So those sports often work better for the introverted kids. When we're at organised sport events with our children, how do parents or carers support 
and model good behaviour at those events, those games? First thing I reckon parents need to do is get involved. You see, I think one of the best things we can do to role model to our kids is they see us as parents helping. So they see us managing, scoring, being a timekeeper, just actually being there and supporting the coach, supporting the team. The idea of drop and run doesn't sit well with me. My wife and I, we've been involved in sport and coach and organise. And the thing we love about it is meeting all the other parents and making more friends ourselves. That, to me, is the first thing about being a good role model, is making sure you have a presence there and the kids see that you're committed to it as well. Next thing that you need to do is actually be physical and active yourself if you can. So the kids see that you're busy playing sport, you're doing things, going out for a walk, going to the gym, because then that way the kids see that it's important for us as parents. Because when children are little, they're like little sponges. They'll copy what their parents do. So if they see their parents showing good behaviour and and role modelling physical activity, there's a high chance the kids are going to follow it as well. So that, that to me is the two things. Be involved yourself and um, make sure that you are there on deck supporting at all times. Now, we've all seen uh, some interesting parent behaviour on the sidelines of uh, kids' sporting games. Any suggestions for parents when they disagree with an outcome or a a ref's decision? (laughs) It's going to happen. Sport is such a passionate thing, and I must admit in my younger days I... I uh, used to get frustrated with referees, but then again, I refereed a lot myself and that helped me enormously. So it gave me a much better understanding um, as a player across a number of sports. I think the key thing to do is we have to learn that, yeah, we will see things from a different perspective, but it's it's just the game. Uh, and I, I never forget Leighton Hewitt after he won the US Open, and that was unfortunately couple of days before September 11, they were doing meant to be doing a photo shoot afterwards and he just said, look, I'm just a tennis player. And I thought, wow, that's such a mature comment. And that to me was a great perspective. It is just a game at the end of the day. And the idea behind it is to have fun. So, you know, if you do disagree with an outcome, yeah, it's okay. But, you know, be thankful that we do have people who are refereeing. And if you're really that frustrated about it, have a go at refereeing yourself because then I think you get a much better understanding of it all. When your child says, I'm not good at this or I'm losing or I'm not as good as such and such, what are some good conversations to have with them around that confidence issue or that comparison of ability or talent? Yeah, great question. It's such a hard one because... Um, you know, I, I meet a lot of young people in my practice who are fairly talented at sport, but at age 14, they realise, wow, I'm not going to make it. There are so many people that are better than me. And it's as as the, the pool of players gets bigger, you realise, wow, yeah, these these people are much better than I am. The way I look at it is you've got to focus on what you are good at, but also then it comes down to the enjoyment of the sport and the benefits of the sport, of meeting people and and having fun and getting fit. The other thing I think we do um, is when we talk about kids saying, I'm not good at this, 
I'll often get kids to evaluate sport and say, okay, well, tell me, tell me three things that you actually did well today. And they can then peel off, you know, well, things that worked well for them. But then, all right, what areas do you need to work at? What, what would you like to do to improve? And I always say to kids, okay, well, let's work at improving these areas. And when you go to practice, let's see if we can improve these areas. I reckon also as parents, what's important is you ask the question of how can I help you? Because the initial response is, oh, no, you're really good and it's okay. You're doing really well. But sometimes what we've got to do is actually just stop and ask the kid, all right, well, what, what can I do to help you here? And make the kids then reflect on you know, what we can do together to help them through this situation. How would you describe what's a normal range of competitive behaviour in a child? Oh, I don't know if there's such a thing. See, I love competition. <laughs> Absolutely love competition. I have three daughters, my wife and I, and we play board games, card games, and they are seriously competitive. And that's fine. The trick is... It's understanding within being competitive that you're there to have fun. And it's actually the enjoyment of playing the game is the key thing. So I, I always encourage competition. However, you mustn't lose sight of the fact that you've got to have fun and it's got to be enjoyable. And it's also got to be a learning curve. At the other end of the scale, you get kids who are not competitive. I remember my youngest daughter, Sophie, playing netball. And uh, this was when she was under eight. And her biggest fear in netball was that the bakery would have sold out of sausage rolls before we got there after the game. So, you know, you look at <laughs> competitive behaviour. But these days, Sophie's actually playing water polo and she's got, uh, yeah, she's got a bit of a competitive streak in her now, which is nice. But look, I reckon it's how, you, as a parent, you harness the competitiveness. And that's the critical thing. And that's where talking to coaches and external people, and we just have to help kids understand it's okay to be competitive. And one of the examples I'll give, Simon, is if when I when I teach kids and talk to kids, I say to them, look, whenever someone asks you, how did you go today? You never say, oh, I did really well. I kicked six goals. No, the answer is the team had a, one, a really good win. So you teach them to be team focused within being a really good player within that team. What do you say to parents who have children who have possibly it's a self-confidence issue, but tend to give up or you know, throw in the towel, whether it's a board game, whether it's a yep. a sporting match, for whatever reason, they're overwhelmed or they feel like yeah. they're, they're not going to win. So they go, no, nah, I'm, I'm not doing it. Well, the worst thing we can do is try and have the conversation in the moment because that's not going to go well. And there's a high chance that the child's probably not going to listen overly, overly well because they're worked up, they're upset, overwhelmed that's probably not the time to try and have that conversation. What we've got to do is just let them calm, chill out and wait till they're in a much better um, frame of mind to sit down and talk to them about it. What happened? How did it happen? Okay, what can we do to help you here? Whilst also reinforcing about the idea that, you know, you've made a commitment for this semester or this season, so we really want you to work through it. But then we look at, right, what can we do to help you? And sometimes for kids, what we might need to do is have a chat to the coach or the manager of the team as well and just let them know how, how our kids are tracking. Yeah, timing is everything when we're talking to our kids. And I, I would suggest one of the biggest mistakes parents make is they try and have these conversations with kids when they are upset, and that, that's not ideal. 
you just need to let things settle and then have a chat to them. But also that's when you talk to, as I said, the external people as well. Any other tips for parents around encouraging children in sport or good sporting behaviour? Oh, I'd be conscious of your behaviour. Uh, that you know, I, we talked about this earlier, but I just reckon we've got to be conscious of your of your behaviour when you're with kids. As I said, kids are little sponges. If they see parents going to a football match or a sporting contest and they're abusing people and or the umpires or players, kids learn from this. And you've got to ask yourself as a parent: Do I want my child to grow up? and start abusing other people because what will happen is these kids will take these behaviours with them into the schoolyard, particularly little kids. So you really have to be conscious when you're watching sport or playing sport how you behave as well. It's so important as parents. And look, the other thing I think, we encourage that development of friendships and as parents we can build friendships ourselves. So the role modelling is critical in all of that one. Thank you for your time today, Tim. It's been... Oh, absolute pleasure, Simon. Fantastic. and uh, keep keep the kids active. Tim can be contacted through tdpsych.com. You can find his podcasts on setting your child up for success on Spotify, Apple and Stitcher. And finally, Tim, any other resources or places or things that you would suggest parents to have a look at? All of your sporting codes now, they run great junior programs for kids. I think as a parent, what you've also got to consider, and we didn't talk about this, but the the cost of sport as well, and there are vouchers to support parents as well. Um, So we can try and minimise the cost uh, associated with playing sport. So don't be scared to do a bit of research and see what you can find. And I guess the last thing I'd also say is, as a parent, even if you weren't a sporty parent yourself, what you've got to look at is the health and well-being and the benefits of sport. And to me, that's the key one. Look at it from a, I try and look at it as from a holistic approach to raising our kids. That I think having kids exposed to sport, music, art, drama, so many different pursuits is really important in their overall development. Tim Dancy, thank you very much for joining us on the GMHBA Healthier Together podcast. Uh, not a problem at all. Cheers, Simon.